Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of directed video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Millions. the head of the Freddy business empire is involved in a helicopter crash and falls into a coma. A new president needs to be appointed immediately, and the young, ambitious Maurizio Ferretti, played by Billy Zane, is upset that he's passed over. Maurizio devises a plan to rise to power anyway, using all the resources and relatives that he can find. Screenplay by Enrico Vanzina and Carlo Vanzina, directed by Carlo Vanzina, and released in Italy, on January 25th, 1991. I'm not even going to ask you if you've ever seen this movie before, because <laughs> I don't know how much the U.S. has seen this movie before. Uh, could not find no. a U.S. release date on IMDb. No, that, that was one of my questions to myself that I was trying to find and I could not find like did this movie ever come to the US and I don't think it did yeah it's like, tough I to had, say I have so many questions I, that like, I could I know, not get answers to I know Wikipedia lists a February 1st release date but yeah. they don't say where or what country but it does say like TV edit so like was this a TV movie, or was it released in theaters and then it was on TV? I don't know. It would definitely have to be edited for TV. Oh, unless yeah. I mean, unless Italian television is much relaxed about the nudity side of things. Yeah, there weren't really bad words, and there's no violence in it, but there's boobs and butts galore. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Neither of us have no not seen this movie <laughs> unless we were living in Italy in the early 90s yeah i was trying to find proof that there was a u.s vhs and i really don't know 100 percent for sure if it exists so i don't know if it ever got like a home video release stateside there are vhs's that exist but they're typically other countries uh -huh. um and the reason we're able to watch it is because there was a dvd release um in multi-packs like we have the suspense classic full 50 pack movie package from like you know what was that mill creek entertainment you know like the, the those companies that just put together a bunch of really cheap or copyright free movies in these bundle packets so it's you know four movies on one disc double set that's the kind of thing that you can find it in and that's where we watched it is through that but yeah not a lot of u.s exposure as far as i'm aware and no box office information that we could find for it so um yeah, it's it's a weird one. Uh, the reason we're including it at all, a part of this like January theme, is because it was released on January twenty fifth. This episode is releasing what twenty twenty fourth. Yeah. So we're trying to just like we tried to find one that sort of matched the release date, just as a right fun new thing to try for the podcast for for a week. And it was a weird movie. It was 
I just, I had so many questions and I could not get answers to because when I was trying to like search for stuff, I even searched under the Italian name, which is Miliardi. Yeah. I got very vague stuff. Like I wanted to know why was it, because it had all these American actors, Mm -hmm. but it's directed by this Italian director, written and directed by this Italian guy. But then I was Based like... Based off an Italian novel by Renzo yeah. Barbieri. And I just wanted to know why did he choose to do this? Like, I'm assuming it was in English because we watched it in English. But did he release it in English and had Italian subtitles? I mean, stuff I like, like this has happened in the past, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know the term spaghetti western. Yeah. It's because these... English-speaking Westerns are done in Italy with Italian crews. So, mm-hmm. it's you know, there is precedent for this type of thing to happen. Not really with these filmmakers specifically, but maybe he was trying to use this to break through into the American audiences. And it just failed. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know if the, the intention was to maybe do a couple of the scenes twice or just have... You know, like once in English and once in Italian, or yeah, that's what I was trying to. Some of these actors, as far as I could tell, they do also speak Italian. Um, oh yeah. So probably I mean, not there, all of them, but there are some. Enough. There are. I don't want to say they're all American actors, but the more majority of them are. But I mean, you have some French and Italian actors in here as well. Yeah. And I thought there was even like a point where it was like an older woman and I thought she was speaking Italian, but they were like dubbing over her voice to English. Mm. Was it Margarita Florinda? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She, she had done a lot of Italian movies. Um, It's it's very possible. Well, okay. What I was reading from her is that she, she speaks Italian fluently but with an accent because she's from Brazil Mm. and so when she did Italian movies they would still dub her voice okay because she she was I don't know I don't think they would have done that for her English speaking voice films of that era were produced or of a certain budget are produced if they're trying to do cross language stuff because I mean there are a lot of foreign movies that are done in English that sound like they're dubbed, even though they may not be. It it, it almost seems like they just film the movie without sound recording, and then they just do dubs of every single line yeah. after the fact, just to maybe speed up production. And so maybe that's part of what happened here, too, in certain scenes. is like, we're not going to risk having a bad take. We can't afford to reshoot things. So we're just going to shoot this scene without sound. And go back and just have them do it in the studio later. Yeah, and yeah, talk, yeah, we watched a movie like that somewhat recently. Yeah, it where happens. we found out that it was all right. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> there, it was that exactly knock, 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 knock movie. Oh yeah, yeah. But I can't remember why. Like they had to go back in and redo their own voices for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I mean, I think it's probably more common than we than we think, especially if they're trying to crank movies out. I don't know. Yeah. The circumstances of this, it did feel like a TV movie, like you were saying before, 
um, but just with nudity. Just yeah. In terms, like, there's no... There's no real skill to the filmmaking, sad to say. It, it's very uh, plainly shot. It's very sterile and, and, you know, as straightforward as you can possibly think of in terms of the filmmaking. Um, a lot of it does seem very low budget. Like, there's this several scenes with this banker who is played by Donald Pleasance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all done in some random, like, red velvet room that's meant to be the bank, I guess. Um but you know like all of his scenes are shot like probably in one day in that one room (laughs) it just doesn't look like a bank it's just whatever location they could find that was kind of fancy and he's just sitting at a table talking quietly saying yes i approve your loan or no i do not i was like why is he speaking that way (laughs) i don't know well uh then I thought this was a TV movie because, okay, this was released in Italy. And then when we were in Europe, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of my favorite things is just watching local their local TV channels. And there is a channel, at least in Spain, called the Movies for Men channel. And well, I was there like, was like 10 years ago. We don't know if it's still uh, I don't. Around, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been 10 years, but... I don't know if it... I think I googled, was this a movies for men? <laughs> I was trying so hard. I was like, this is a movie. This is the movie that would be on the Movies for Men channel. It's, yeah. It's very uh, male gaze. Um, it doesn't have the action that a lot of the Movies for Men channel movies had, though. Because mm-hmm. that was, you know, a lot of... Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of, like, nudity and violence and, like, Rambo type stuff and... Right. You know, sexual thrillers and things like that. This is trying to be a sexual thriller, but it does I, not. I kind of <laughs> wanted it to be like a like I I was also thinking like I wanted this to be like if a kiss bef- this if this had like killings in it. Sure. I probably would like it more. <laughs> yeah. If there was some sort of suspense thriller crime yeah i mean it's in the suspense classics side of things and so the movie it's not like suspenseful to me at all i think it's supposed to be you know like it's a drama high corporate drama okay you know because you got the the inner workings of the family and the family's all working against each other and you know who's going to take control of the company type of stuff that they're trying to build up it just doesn't work and then at the very beginning of the movie um, well, we'll get past the opening credits part when the actual story happens. You know, there's this guy who gets kicked out of a bar and he sees the helicopter crash with this big explosion. And then he goes to check it out and everyone's fine. Like the helicopter is basically intact and the two dudes are just, you know, sitting there like slumped back. And, and the guy who gets, uh, gets kicked out of the bar assumes that they're dead and robs them, mm-hmm. steals their stuff. And then we find out that neither of them died. And Leo, who is like the. Uh, patriarch of this whole thing is in a coma and they yeah. ship him away or whatever and that guy in the bar becomes a plot point later on so they set up like you know this this idea of oh something was stolen from this family that could be important here's this crime element here's this intrigue uh was the helicopter crash on purpose and none of that pays yeah. off at all so i think it was they just like oh he He's in a coma. We need to find someone to take his place. 
immediately. Like this is a yes. a wannabe succession. Yeah, before succession happened, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it was succession probably whoever was the writers for that was like, oh, I can do this, but better. Right? Yeah, yeah. They looked at millions. They're like, let's make, let's update, let's update millions, millions. <laughs> but turn it into a a good show. A good show. <laughs> so I mean, that's sort of the intent intention here. But yeah, I mean, that was one of the questions I wrote down is. Okay, Leo is recovering. He's in this coma. And they have to do, like, an immediate vote to see who's going to take his place. Like, do they actually not have a contingency plan for this type of thing in this massive corporation? Yeah, that's why I was like, why do they need to do this this way? Doesn't he have, like, a a right-hand person? Like, a vice president? Exactly. Role that takes over if he's... Sick or dying? Because this guy is, what, I don't know, 60s? Yeah, he wasn't even that old. But still old enough to have written down what happens if I suddenly pass away. Yeah, he doesn't have a will or testament. (laughs) Here's the chain of command. (laughs) Right. Right? So, like, none of that happens. Um, And then, like, the whole other conceit of this whole thing is that Billy Zane's character gets passed over for this promotion. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's well-deserving of it. And we'll sort of get back to that in a second because there's a couple, like, scenes and quotes that I want to mention in that. But his plan is he ends up, like, meeting up with this guy from the bar who had some stuff of Leo's, including a briefcase, which had a secret plan for some other new company that Leo was going to be forming at some point that no one else knew about. And he takes that plan and runs with it and tries to, you know, basically gain the power and the money. But they never think about what would happen when Leo wakes up. Because mm-hmm. it's assumed that he will. And so, like, Billy Zane is having, like, this race against time until Leo wakes up, it seems like. It's, There's uh, a big rush to like do he's everything. An- he's anticipating that Leo will, Leo will wake up and then... Billy Zane's character, Maurizio, is like, oh, well, I'm in charge now, so you are not anymore. Right. I guess that's sort of what he's hoping will happen. Or it's Um, like, you're too old now because you were in a coma. Yeah, it's... So now now I'm in charge. It doesn't make a lot of logical sense, whatever happens. That's what... This whole... I had so many questions. And his downfall and the ending is really, really great. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, there's a lot that we can sort of dive into on yeah. the different plot points on this. But before we do that, I think like the best introduction to this movie that we haven't even talked about yet is the actual introduction to the movie. Where the opening credits happen and you have this shot on like a hundred dollar bill. Oh yeah. <laughs> which we learn as the shot pans out that it's actually curtains made out of money or made to look like money right and uh you know the credits are rolling and everything and you have all this shots of like jewelry and stuff on these different tables and like this woman walks out of the money curtains and then you have a bunch of people posing with like giant perfume bottles and, and like pearls and stuff and there's Just, like a like, woman draping. with like her face against the glass to make it it was like a drawn dollar bill around her to make it look like she's on the money Mm-hmm. And it, it looks like I guess it's a perfume ad or something. I don't know what is happening in this. I don't know, but it, it was making me laugh. Yeah, and, then, and the music, of course. The too. music to me was amazing. Yes, 
the soundtrack I love and I wish that I was also looking I was like who did that's why I was doing like sound hound I'm like who is this person but <laughs> it's like very, it didn't <laughs> recognize uh IMDb credits four different people yeah none of them have other credits though really or um, very very few credits yeah one of them does okay and he did music for Carlo Venzina for other movies that's but, what yeah in general like not but he hasn't done things, yeah. anything else one of the best composers, I, sh- I don't know, for like scoring movies is Giorgio Morador. Do you know who that is? No, by name. He's an Italian. He's considered like the godfather of like Italo disco. This one was mm. like, this is Italo disco. And I was like, I need to know who it is. And I was like, is this Giorgio Morador? But it's not. He's done a lot of movies and most that he has done the score for is never ending story oh okay so like that synthesizer-y yeah, yeah. type music that's what this music is at least half of it the other half it's is very like saxophone. Straight up saxophone yeah there's it's some either like synth. synthesizer that was like oh this is like cam <laughs> yeah cam- where it's like four different people coming up and combining into like combining to make music yeah, when we say Cam, we're talking about a movie called Pieces, which is a horror movie from early 80s, where it, the music is credited as Cam. There's no actual person named Cam. It's really just a conglomerate of Spanish artists, which also has the same type of film dubbing, yeah. by the way. So yeah, I mean, the music is campy at times, but it's it really good, good campy. Um, and I, wa- I was trying to find, is there a soundtrack? Because I would listen to that. I think probably in Italy. There like on my been. own. Yeah, there, there might have been in Italy. Uh, to give anyone... This is what I wrote down for one of them, One of the saxophone songs. It sounded like a slow version of the ALF theme song. Mm. <laughs> so imagine that. Um, if we can find anything on I YouTube. I honestly you, could not... You couldn't find anything on YouTube no, for the not even music? on YouTube. I found... Like a soundtrack for Carlo Venzina, or Ven, yeah, Venzina. Yeah, the director. And writer. Yeah, the director. I found a soundtrack for his other movie called Pietti Piatti. I don't know if you, that's another nineteen. It's another nineteen ninety one movie, but it's not on our list because that does not seem to have an English. Uh, or I'm sorry, U.S. release. Yeah, I found that on YouTube. Hmm. And one of the guys. Um, that did the music for this also did the music for that so it's kind of similar but yeah I couldn't I couldn't find any music from this movie anywhere okay which sucks yeah it, it is unfortunate um, but it, it it's it's very interesting and it does not usually fit the scenes that it's in and it usually ends abruptly during a scene. <laughs> Or, you know, there's uh, an exterior uh, establishing shot of a mansion or something like that. And you have this upbeat sitcom music happening on the, you know, the synth keyboard. And then it just suddenly cuts off once the interior shot happens and they start talking. A lot of weird uses of of the sappy music or the crazy zany music or the sexy music. And it doesn't always fit the tone. Oh yeah, we sort of took a small deviant, but yeah, that the opening sequence of like mm-hmm. all those models in the perfume mat or whatever the heck that was supposed to be, that was just like a one-time thing for those like 
two minutes and then yeah. we never see any of those characters again i don't think i didn't recognize any of them later on and yeah, it didn't it just, factor into the plot i mean in he, any way. it's like the casting <laughs> so. all these the females in this movie they were like former models turned yes. actresses yes almost all, all of them if not every single yeah. one so we have lauren hutton who plays leo's wife uh christina we have carol alt who plays betta who is i tried to write down all these different relationships i think it's the cousin of maurizio the cousin of maurizio uh, niece of leo i don't know who her father is though that's i was like is it that osvaldo no because osvaldo is maurizio's dad okay osvaldo okay. is leo's brother yes um so i don't know who betta's parents are but she's the niece um and cousin of maurizio uh we'll get into that whole convoluted relationship so she's like, later on so is she the daughter of lauren hutton and leo is she leo's daughter i don't this, I was so confused. Maybe, I guess, but they didn't... No, I, I don't think so. I think they said that, that she was Leo's Well, because they wanted... Okay, so I think Le, the more... Like, the main thing about what I got from this is that Leo wants, like, an heir to his company. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know if you... We're just going to skip all the way to the end. She's pregnant sure, yeah. with a boy, I guess. Yeah, some baby. I don't think they know if it's oh. a boy or not. But she, yeah, she's pregnant at the end of she's it. She's pregnant at the end. And then Lauren Hutton, or Christina, tells Betta, oh, well, now we have an heir to this company. Yeah, maybe it is their daughter, and I just But I was that like, part. why can't she be the heir? Or do they really need, like, a guy to be See, in charge? See, I specifically have it listed as Leo's niece. Okay. From the opening scene where we get introduced to Betta, where she's, like, waking up in some random person's house. Um, and, you know, she, you know, she wakes up and doesn't remember where she, where she is. That she's been there for, like, three days. She doesn't remember how long it's been that she's been there. She, you know, and then she drives off on, in that guy's car to go mm -hmm. to the airport. Well, she seems like she's the party girl. Cause oh, super party girl, yeah. She's, she's like, you see her doing drugs and, you know, partying. <laughs> like yeah, at the yeah. club. She's, she's a like the ultra wild... socialite type of a person, yeah, she's but just like this private, wild child, right? yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, I mean, she, uh, now I'm wondering she if she is Leo's daughter and then she's living this, you know frivolous lifestyle and he probably does i mean we don't hear much from leo because he's mostly in a coma until like the end when he gets right out of the i coma. mean the only reason i think it is not is one because i specifically wrote down niece which made me think that i definitely heard it because like again he i was trying niece. to keep track of these leo? things okay. well someone said that she was leo's niece oh okay and also christina so probably would have been trying to more actively interact and reach out to her if she was her daughter okay uh, and that so never she's happens. probably, but I don't know who doesn't have parents, and that's why she's acting that way. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or like maybe it's Margarita's daughter, because Margarita is Leo's sister. Osvaldo is Leo's brother. Um, and we don't really. I don't know. 
I don't really know how Margarita fits into the whole situation either. She's just sort right of there. Yeah, I don't know her role in this entire. I mean, I know she's part of the family, but I don't know like what she does. In what does she do? The plot. Yeah. The, she, the the one of the downsides of this early movie is that there are a lot of quick introductions, and then and they go extremely fast, and they basically just go around the room saying. Here's this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. Let's go to business now. Yeah, and they don't explain how anyone knows anyone, and it's like us trying to figure it out. Yeah, and we don't know like what information we have to retain. Like, who do we actually need to know in these scenarios? Right. Because it's not all of them. There's way too many of them. And, right. You know, it's just not viable. I mean, I got so confused with. Well, Beta, I knew was his cousin because. Maurizio and Betta, they have, like, like when they see each other in Italy, because it's in Milan, mostly, but they do go to, like, Mexico and somewhere else. Yeah, they're globetrotting at times for they're like various different... Going... New York City, of course, as Okay, well. yeah, oh yeah, New York. It starts in New York. But Is then... that where the helicopter crash was? Well, at least the, the beginning of the... Or oh, uh... is that where Maurizio was at the beginning? That's where Maurizio was. That's okay. where he lives. Okay. Is from, I think. Yeah, because he goes back to the he goes US to... to deal with Osvaldo and, and Connie. That stuff is happening in New York. Yeah. And then also his friend from to... college, David, that he moves into this whole thing. But She's, goes to Italy to visit his family, and that's where Beto lives. Right. And the majority of his family members. Yeah, it's it's really hard to know who to keep track of and who not because it, you know a big plot point is that they don't give the company to Maurizio, they give it to this guy, Lamberto Raza. Mm -hmm. We don't ever hear from Lamberto Raza. He never says a word. I don't think. Yeah, I was like, who is he? Just like the a friend or like a close. They make a really big deal of it, and they say his name partner? multiple multiple yeah. times, and then yeah, there's like the board meeting where it's approved or whatever. Um, but he doesn't factor in the plot. Like, even in all of Maurizio's dealings afterwards, he never goes to Lum, what, uh, Lumberto Raza, never has any interactions with him about the company at any point. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Just, it's really... I, I, I had a really hard time wrapping my head around this movie, and I didn't understand if it was just a bad drama was this supposed to be satirical and funny at times? Was this supposed to be something of a farce? I know it's not like a straight comedy. No. But it was so silly in some of the situations. I, think it, the, I was like, this is kind of over the top and campy. Looking at what the other people, what uh, Carlo and Enrico have done in the past, it seems like a lot of it is comedy. They've done stuff like Italian fast food and I don't speak English and... Uh, a Christmas Vacation series, which is not the same as the National Lampoon, but they've done like at least three Christmas Vacation movies over there. That all look, you know, all this stuff looks like it's madcap Italian comedy, and so I'm wondering, are they just trying to bring these, you know, zany situations to this drama picture, and it just doesn't work? You know, all this stuff with the family and people getting caught sleeping with other people and. Mm -hmm. You know, this person's related to this person, but also sleeping with this person. And then this is also happening on the side with these other two people. Like, it, it seems farcical to me. And I, and I don't know if it's supposed to be. 
I think what didn't help me is that scene where Zane gets Billy Zane's character. <laughs> In all my notes, I just wrote Zane for simplicity. <laughs> so yeah. um, when Billy Zane's character gets passed over... Uh, in favor of yeah. Ratza, um, <laughs> he he takes like a bottle of champagne, he jumps up on a table and does like some serious Nicolas Cage level acting, of you know like super over exaggerated, yeah, and saying like why why is this happening and, and he's like screaming at the top of his lungs, why would you what would make you think that I would be a mistake of running this company, which he's saying while he's yelling at the top of his lungs in a public setting on top of a table while holding a bottle of booze during a work day, right? Mm -hmm. What would make you think that I would be a mistake? So, like, that type of scenario online, that seems like it's supposed to be comedic, but it's not delivered in a comedic way. But, I mean, yeah, I was laughing because it was, like... Yeah, because he was just super over the top. Yeah, like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted more of that from Billy Zane. I don't know. I wanted him to go like full Nick Cage. Nah, only Nick Cage can do Nick Cage. I know, in in the grand scheme of things, that's true. But in this performance, that was like his one moment where he, he could have been did like, something outrageous. Yeah. And the rest of it was much more. Hey, you're attractive. Let's sleep together. Yeah, it's that that's the pretty. The that was the rest of the him. movie was him sleeping with like every woman he saw, almost. To, yes, including relatives. Yes, which I was like, excuse me. <laughs> which again is like, is that supposed to be a satire? Is that supposed to be like, oh, these multi like conglomerate type of families, these royalty or fake royalty, they're incestuous? Like, is that supposed to be a commentary thing? Or is that just... I don't... Let's, we have an attractive just, woman, let's get her into bed. Right. Well, because he was just seducing any woman that, like, had some sort of hand or power into something with this company. And well, he was also trying... his friend David was just sending girls to his room whenever they met. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then... Okay, there is a scene, was this Osvaldo, where it's near the beginning, someone wakes up and it's like four naked people in a bed. That was whoever Betta crashed with. We okay. don't know who that guy was, oh. which is confusing because I thought that I thought that, that was... was a family member. I was yeah, like... I thought that was like Maurizio, who was no, in no, bed, no. or or yeah, or Oswaldo, or somebody who was in bed because it was like an older man. People. And then we learn it's the niece that's there, and so it was really just her introduction that's... as a character. Okay, because I was like, is she sleeping naked with her uncle and? two other women that's what was no it's con- just yeah her and her two friends probably had getting like together with this guy a foursome or yeah, something yeah, yeah. or a threesome or something yeah okay and then she takes the car to the airport but they and, don't yeah. yeah they don't show them well there's just there, there are it's sex scenes bunch but of butts this was not it yeah it was just like a they zoom in on like four butts and i'm like what is happening uh-huh. And then they zoom out, and it's like this guy gets up, then she gets up. And I was like, wait a second. Is this her 
family? But yeah, like the first impression... I was just confused. Yeah, but when Betta and, and Maurizio uh, meet up again in Italy for the first time in, I guess, over a decade yeah, or something, it's she's like, like oh, oh, I was always wild about you, and you never looked my direction And I twice. was like, why would you say that to your cousin? Right. You, they do know that they're cousins because they're like, yeah, oh, oh yeah. you grew to be this like handsome dude and blah, blah, blah. She's like hitting on him and he's like hitting on her. And this is in the beginning of the movie. And I was like, eh, this is, I would never say this to any family member. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, yeah, like, fast forward to like, three quarters into the movie they're sleeping together and i was like uh <laughs> and then if we just want to spoil the end she's pregnant with his baby and everyone in the family is like okay with that yeah <laughs> yeah and like, that's why i was like the ending what? is extremely abrupt and so yeah i do want to kind of hold off on some of the plot points of the at the end and how abrupt it is but like yeah it's a very strange thing and then the other subplot is that julia who is the wife of alberto who is like i guess another cousin like his yeah his other cousin but i was like why isn't but i don't alberto... know who alberto's father is either. yeah that's why i was like why isn't alberto um considered for this role if if they're doing like if they want an heir quote unquote for this company right there's how come yeah (laughs) like why why not him yeah i i I really don't know unless he's um unless he doesn't want anything i don't they don't really show him that much they they mostly show julia julia his wife yeah julia who basically is like oh i always wanted Maurizio instead of you but he was already married so I settled for you, Alberto. Yeah. And then Alberto's like, well, you know he's divorced now. And, and so... Then, yeah, she's like, She's oh, like, okay, okay, well, now I'm going to go sleep with him, basically. Right. And they have this affair throughout mo- majority of this movie until Leo... Until Leo wakes up. Yeah. Um, but I think she's, she's trying to do the same thing that Maurizio is doing. She wants to be in charge. Well, or I think she, she just wants to be with the person who has who power. Who has money, yeah, and yeah. power. Because she's also sleeping with this other guy, Piero Costa, who is, like, another businessman that Mauricio tries to use to gain money to go for the side venture and everything. And so, yeah, everyone's sleeping so, with everybody I mean, else. wouldn't her husband... Okay, if she wants to marry someone who's in power, then why is she married? Well, if you can have attractive her. and power, then go for that. If you just want power, then there's Piero. But if you want attractive, young in power, then Mauricio's your guy. Right. It's really not a choice. So she just settled for the cousin, Alberto. <laughs> Alberto. Right. Yeah, yeah, probably. We don't get backstory. Yeah. We're building it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We get, we get sex and him. sex music. <laughs> right. Until, like, Maurizio comes and visits, and then she's all over him and then you know she wants power and blah 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 yeah so yeah we get the more explicit sex scenes with her yeah and then there's also another woman connie who is osvaldo uh osvaldo is leo's brother 
Um, he has a office in New York that Connie runs, and Connie is not only like the assistant or partner, but also his yeah. lover. Um, they have those. some side yeah. books um, in term, and all you know. Basically, there is some hidden money, and Maurizio learns of it by sleeping with Connie. Right. And gets access to everyone's that was there, Yeah, like, he's sleeping with her, and then she. This is like a dumb thing when he first sleeps with her, and they're done, I guess. She gets up to take a shower, but beforehand. <laughs> opens her safe. She with opens her, her safe, but she had she like. She cracks a, her safe with a crack shown? No. <laughs> she just. She. Well. She puts, like, this big, giant necklace of pearls that she had on in there. But then she, like, shows them something else. I forgot what it was. Well, he she leaves the safe and open the, while yeah, she walks she out le- of the room. And then she leaves and it open. that's when Maurizio goes and, like, finds... Uh, I think it's the key to the New York apartment where the, the actual bookkeeping mm-hmm. records were. But I... Th- that... That was dumb. Unless she did that on purpose. But I was like, this is dumb. I, I mean, a lot of what happens is dumb. Um, but yeah, so basically Maurizio uses that information in New York to blackmail his own father, Osvaldo, um, by basically saying, I know you've been evading taxes to the tune of however many million, so appoint me president of the company, You know, get rid of all your shares and all this other stuff. Um, or else I'm telling, right? So again, there's attempts at intrigue and power mm-hmm. plays and stuff like that. But yeah, and it also says I want a new father. Damn it! Like you know, it, what do you want from me? Like I want a new father. Damn it! Um, fun stuff like that happens. But yeah, like near the end when Maurizio is caught doing this side business thing. And Leo has woken up, mm-hmm. and Maurizio's arrested for something. I don't know why he's arrested. Yeah, really. I mean Connie finds something out, and she gets him arrested. And I was like, for what? Because he yeah, was like, I caught you, and he's trying to get funding from different sources. Like he got a hundred million dollars from Donald Pleasant's banker um, character, and then he's trying to get additional money from Piero Costa, who's actually secretly working against them, but that doesn't really become a plot point, except for from a couple lines of dialogue. Um, and I guess, oh, well, I, I know that like they're involved in bribing some sort of like Mexican judge to get some other thing happening, but David's mostly doing that. That's not so much Mauricio. But yeah, he, evidently he's arrested. And in order to get him out of jail, Oswaldo turns the tables and says, I want you to reinstate everything back to my name. And I'm just thinking, well, why can't Billy Zane just use Oswaldo as leverage to get himself out of trouble? You know, the tax evasion thing is still a real thing. (laughs) You know, like why, (laughs) why is his legal problems mean that Oswaldo's go away? You could easily, like, none of this makes sense. You could just totally flip on his father if you wanted to. Um, Yeah, we have that. But then we have this whole thing with Christina, Lauren Hutton's character. 
with her father and I was like confused by that as well yeah I don't know why that existed Christine yeah Lauren Hutton's character doesn't have much to do here either she just sort of like sits at Leo's bedside here and there and then she denies Maurizio money in a key scene where she gets to you know give the angry speech mm-hmm. about like morals I guess um but other than that I don't yeah they play up all these different relationships that she has and none of it really comes to fruition but the one that they focus on is the one with her father that she became estranged of when she married leo because her father didn't approve and then reconciliation for some reason i don't know why i don't know i don't know why why did she go to his house it was to ask for money from him because Leo, I mean, Leo... To get the money for this le- the deal once Leo was available. To basically, you know, wrestle control out of Maurizio. Okay, okay. But I mean, I don't know. They didn't yeah, have they to don't... have that whole subplot because it didn't do anything. And, yeah, she visits Because the banker's like, oh, I don't have any more money because I gave it all to Piero. Mm. right <laughs> like, it's like i gave 100 million to Maurizio, but then i gave the okay, rest of the hero for her... this deal okay. so i don't have any more money she goes for her father and she's just like they have this very awkward moment but then um she's like i've always been afraid to come and visit you but you know here i am blah 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 And then all of a sudden, like, he looks angry at her, but then all of a sudden he softens. He's like, I've been waiting for you all this time type of talk. Yeah. And, but then that was it. (laughs) That was the end of that. It was like four minutes. But at that point I was so ready for it to be over. I didn't want that scene to happen. Because, like, once Leo wakes up, I'm thinking, okay, cool. Everything's going to start wrapping up. We're going to be done with this movie. But But there's like another, like, 45 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It's like a two-hour-long movie, and Leo wakes up a little bit more than halfway through, and I really thought that we were close to the end because of how the pacing was. Yeah. And we weren't, and I was getting angrier <laughs> the more oh. it dragged on. I was just confused the entire time. I mean, the other thing that happens like near the end is, yeah, like they she has to do all this stuff to get the money. Um, but then at the end with, there's a scene with Leo and the banker at this racetrack Mm -hmm. and he's like, I'm going to need 1 billion for this new project. And the banker's like, okay, (laughs) like seriously, like doesn't even like think about it. He's like, yeah, it's yours. And then like the next scene is with, uh, yeah, Christina and, and Betta being like, I'm pregnant with my cousin's baby. And Christina's like, okay. Like, she, yeah, she basically, like, shrugs like, it off, like, oh, I'm, you, and then she's like, yeah. okay. Like, she wasn't, like, um, why did you sleep with your cousin, please? Yeah, none of that. <laughs> like, it's just like, she, she's oh, like, I'm so disappointed in you for two seconds. All right, you have a baby growing. Cause then she was like, oh, we'll have an heir to this company. And I was like, but what about these 20 other people a part of this right? family? Is Leo going to stay alive that long now? 
I was, then, but then that's how it ends. I'm like, okay, like, so the baby is going to be this heir? Well, it also ends, like, with Billy Zane's character at the house. Right. With the briefcase. And Leo just, like, puts his arm around his shoulder and they just walk into the house. Like, okay, so all is forgiven So he was like, okay, well, all is well, whatever. Bye, let's bygones be bygones and whatever the fuck. Lombardo Raza was robbed. <laughs> yeah. He did not right. get a fair shake to run this company. Uh, there's yeah, there's just so much weird stuff that happens in this, and very little of it makes sense. And like like the newspapers, since this is an Italian production, mm-hmm. all the newspapers are yeah, in, Italian, all in Italian with Italian headlines, and so they're like looking at it and reacting to these things, and we. I don't know, context clues, I guess, but, like, I don't know, like, we, we don't get subtitles or any sort of... Yeah, something scandalous. <laughs> right. We did see, like, Maurizio's picture, or Leo's picture in the paper with, like, these words we can't understand, and then they make a comment on it that doesn't exactly tell That's us what, what was That's what I was like, paper. was this in Italian first, or... That's... I'm confused. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, there's a lot that just doesn't make sense in this movie, and we will never, never understand. <laughs> the other thing that was really funny, and again, like, makes me kind of think of this farcical, is like when Leo is meeting up with the banker and he's like asking for money that first time and he gets turned down. Like, he's in a motorized wheelchair because he's um, coming out of a coma. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's still like, whatever. And so when he gets denied, he just like grabs his motorized wheelchair and like backs out and tries to exit dramatically using his wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes for a really funny scene for me. It's like, I don't know. There's just so much that just, it's, it's, there's a lot that you can laugh at if you want to in this movie. So we can talk a little bit about the cast and crew that we haven't already. Uh, Billy Zane, this is our first movie with Billy on the podcast. We have seen his sister on Nightmare on Elm Street. What was it called? Freddy's uh, Dead. Yeah, Freddy's Dead. Um, Billy Zane's going to be in three, two other 1991 movies, Blood and Concrete and Femme Fatale. He was also in Twin Peaks around this time. Uh, he was in Critters. He was in Back to the Future 1 and 2 as part of Biff's gang, Dead Calm. He's also in Silence of the Hams, the parody of Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Um I mean, his acting in this movie was not great, but... He was very... He he was, like, smoldering the whole time. You right. know, he was, like, giving... He was but giving, he was like, like the evil eye. too hard constantly. to be a villain. Even, and I've known him to be a villain in almost everything I've seen him in. Yeah. Like, I mean, in... The first time I saw him was in Dead Calm, and he's, like, he's scary in that movie. And I'm like, why couldn't he just bring that into this? There could be a lot of reasons. And honestly, like, the language barrier could be part of it. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that Carlo and Enrico spoke English mm-hmm. to a degree. But that doesn't mean that they it's know like how to get maybe good English language performances like, if it's not their to native act tongue. Like, sexy or something like that. Yeah, there could be, yeah, misdirection. There could be bad direction. There could be, like, I don't give a shit what you do. Just right. do whatever you want, and then we'll move on to the next shot so we can get this done. Um, could be a lot of things like that. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely trying to either put on the sexy face or give it the evil eye, and there's very little 
other than that, except for the standing on the table yelling scene. But yeah, speaking of his villain work, he was nominated for an MTV Movie Award for Titanic for Best Movie Villain. So that's probably his most famous role. Uh, Lauren Hutton, again, we talked about her as a former model. Uh, both in the 60s and the 80s, she had big surges in popularity both those decades. She also had a talk show in 1995 for a little while. Um, she's been in such movies uh, such as Once Bitten, The Gambler, Gator, Paper Lion. Uh, she's also going to be in a couple of 1991 movies called Missing Pieces and Guilty as Charged. Carol Alt, former model. Uh, she was in a bunch of other stuff in Italy in the late 80s. That's really kind of where she um, cut her teeth in acting. Uh, it was in the Italian slash English, you know, this type of production. She's going to be in a couple other 1991 movies, Speaking of the Devil and Beyond Justice. Uh, you also may know her from the Thunder in Paradise TV show with Hulk Hogan, which was pretty popular for a while. Uh, and she also did quite a bit of infomercial work later on in life as well. Uh, Gene Sorrell played Leo. I didn't think he was ever going to show on camera except for in those pictures that were used as like cutaways mm -hmm. to you know, show guilt in right. other people's faces. But he does have a, a role. He's in a lot of Italian and French movies mostly. Um, he was in Belle de Jour, Day of the Jackal, uh, and he's also in a 1991 movie that's not on our list because we couldn't find a way to watch it called Speaking of the Devil. Who else do we have here? Oswaldo played Paris in the Romeo and Juliet movie from the 1960s. Uh, he's also been in a lot of, you know, again, we talked about this before, he's in a lot of Italian or, or French productions. He was in a movie called Hands of Steel. He was in, uh, going back farther, he was in Cyrano. He was in La Caja Fall 2 and Camille 2000. Those are some movies that people may have heard of. Uh, Connie, we didn't talk about a whole lot. I want to mention her just because uh, she has done quite a bit since this movie. Um, and even before that, she's this was a very soap opera movie. She is a soap opera actress. Uh, she was in the TV show Texas back in 1980 for over 100 episodes. She was in Loving uh, between 1993 and 1995. She was on One Life to Live from 1998 to 2012 sporadically. She was also married to David Hasselhoff at one point mm -hmm. and also meant also married to another person named Michael Knight, which was by yeah. David Hasselhoff's character in Knight Rider. But, yeah. Um, so just an odd coincidence in that. Uh, these days, from what I could see, if it's still current, I'm not 100% sure, uh, she does hypnosis comedy shows, like on stage, in theaters or whatever. And she also runs a cosmetics company called Catch Cosmetics, but it's not for animals, it just goes her name is Catherine. Catherine Hickland. I don't think I ever mentioned her name, I just said Connie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, who else do we have here? Oh, we didn't even talk about David that much, the college friend who kind of helps with all this stuff. Uh, David Phipps was played by John Stockwell, uh, who's probably one of the more recognizable actors in this to some people. He was in Losing It and Christine, uh, along with the person who played Julia, actually. Julia uh, Alexandra Paul, she was the lead in Christine. John was in Top Gun, Danger Dangerously Close. He was also Emmy nominated for writing that movie Cheaters which was a 2000 movie with like Jeff Daniels and Jenna Malone. Um, so he's also a writer and director. He's also done Blue Crush and Into the Blue as a director. So that's where his stuff is 
these days. Alexandra Paul. Oh yeah, I mentioned her briefly. Is yeah, she was in Christine. She'll be in a 1991 movie, In Between. She was also Stephanie Holding on Baywatch. That's where she's probably most known. And she was also in the movie version of Dragnet from the 80s with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. Uh, Donald Pleasance, who played the banker Ripa, Emmy nominated in 1978. Um, he's Saturn nominated for the movie Dracula from 1979, as well as Halloween 2. He plays Dr. Loomis in all of the Halloween movies up until his death when he passed away in 1995. Um, he's going to be in the 1991 movie Shadows and Fog and Women in Arms. He's also well known for his roles in movies like You Only Live Twice, uh, The Eagle, Eagle Has Landed, uh, The Great Escape, where he worked with the German POW, and he himself was with the British Air Force. His plane was shot down and he was a POW in World War II, uh, but eventually released in 1945. Here we are. No awards to speak of. What a surprise. So we can move on to uh, true crime and pop culture, I guess. Yeah, so true crime related, I did not find anything. Yeah, I don't think this was that... based on a real story, but again, it was based I was, off a novel. I mean, it was based off a novel, but I was like, well, was this a real... I mean, this probably happens in, you know, real life. Yeah, I mean... Not, the... not as over the top as this is yeah the big crime in this was tax evasion so yeah <laughs> that's just sort of assumed with every mega corporation and so i mean i do this movie was released on january 25th which is a friday and i do have somewhat new tv stuff okay it was not a typical tgif lineup uh-oh this Friday. Uh-oh. There was, on ABC, there was an episode of Full House, but after that, I tried to find this on YouTube, but couldn't find it. Was a New Kids on the Block at Disney MGM special. Ooh. I was probably watching that, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that was from 8.30 to 9.30. I'd be interested to see that. I really, I was like, goo I don't know, I went like, is it just like them walked around the park like reacting to the rides or and stuff? them doing a or show a there for an hour or both like what if anything new kids on the block was on anywhere like i had i was like too obsessed with them around this time so i was probably watching this if if any super fans of new kids on the block are listening and have a copy recorded on their VHS. The January 25th, 1991, New Kids on the Block at Disney MGM Studios. Let us know. I would see watch if there's it. a way to get it over to us. We'd love to watch it. But then... Oh, a bonus so, episode. Yeah. If you find it. Right. And then... Okay, so that was for an hour. But then after that, they had an episode of Perfect Strangers. <laughs> okay. And on CBS, we had... Guns of Paradise, which I remember we talked about. It's a Western drama. Mm -hmm. After that is a show that I've heard of, but I don't think I've talked about it on this podcast yet. And it's Sons and Daughters. Do you remember the show? I've not. I didn't watch it, but I remember. The, the name. <laughs> it sounds familiar, and I don't know if it's just because like. We flipped through a couple TV guides at this and then point. And we just see it. Yeah. Sons and Daughters. Maybe that. 
but, but maybe we've talked about it and we just it's already forgettable enough that we forgot that we talked about it <laughs> i don't think i we've talked about this because i'm looking at the synopsis or did we just talk about remember. like another show called daughters or something that or something with sons in it right <laughs> like we talked about sisters maybe i'm confusing right. about sisters so this is a comedy drama series focusing on a, an extended family in portland oregon after many years of absence from his family bing hammersmith returns with a new wife and young son to his already grown-up family from his first marriage why not call the show Bing Hammersmith? Because that's a weird-ass <laughs> name. But it's more memorable than Sons and Daughters is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I guess if has, it's a he drama, He has a lot of a... sons and daughters now because oh. this old family and now this new family. The only the person that plays Bing Hammersmith is Don Murray. Do you know who that is? I don't know. I'd have to see it. He was in Planet of the Apes. He was in Peggy Sue Got Married. He was in... The movie Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe. No. He was in, most recently, the Twin Peaks, uh, the, re- not the remake, or the revival. Right. Season three or whatever they call it. Yeah. But okay. I don't recognize him at all. No, not really. I mean, we're seeing that a lot with these 90s shows is that they bring in a bunch of character actors to be leads on TV yeah, he shows. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. So he plays Bing. <laughs> and then one of, I think his first wife, this is the only other person that I sort of recognize, was played by Lucy Arnaz, which okay. is Lucy Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz's daughter. So is it it's supposed to be a comedy or no? It's a comedy drama. Okay. And it only lasted a season. It was 13 episodes. I don't know. I'd give it a shot, I guess. Mm, I but <laughs> I would give it more of a shot if it was called Bing Hammersmith. I'm standing <laughs> by that decision. All right. So um, Fox was America's Most Wanted and then Against the Law, which I know we've talked about. It's an illegal drama, obviously, that had Michael O'Keefe in it. Mm-hmm. On NBC, there was a full hour of world professional figure skating. Yeah, it's this not like just... riding the coattails of like some Olympic victory no, and like showcasing not... a person. It's yeah, just... it was just professional figure skating for an hour. Just trying it out and seeing Which you know, I probably people liked it in the Olympics, then let's see how it right. goes on normal. I mean, I would have watched that if there was no New Kids on the Block on I'm another to think channel. Who the, who the big skaters would have been, like Katarina Vitt, I guess? Like it's Brian Boitano? right? <laughs> And after that was uh, an episode of Dark Shadows, and then after that was an episode of Midnight Caller, which we've talked about before. That's the one with Gary Cole in it. Right, that one sounded interesting. Yeah, that right. one actually sounds interesting to me, and I would want to watch that. Yeah. And then music-wise, I'm going to do the bottom five. At number 100 is My Love is a Fire by Donny Osmond. Okay. And... I don't recall that one at all. Me neither until I watched the music video right before recording. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it w- it seemed as if this is like he's trying to do a revival, like a 90s revival, and try to be all sexy and like... Yeah. 
whatever because the video is him like all sweaty and like dancing around and then it's always it's like a close-up of his eyes only and being all smoldery and i'm i'm not into it okay (laughs) the song is whatever Uh, number 99 is I Don't Have a Heart by Jane, James Ingram, which is, that's a, a gro- that's a grocery drugstore CVS classic. That's a top 10. <laughs> and I mean, James Ingram, he sang somewhere out there with Linda oh, Ronstadt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that. I know we mentioned Linda Ronstadt, but James, yeah, James Ingram has a lot of hits, including this one. And then 98 is Prey by MC Hammer. We all know that. Yeah, it's not a, yeah, it's not his best. Um, not, not his catchiest. Yeah. But also probably not his best. It's it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Um, 97 is Close to Me by The Cure, and I had to do, right before we recorded, I had to do a search because I was like, this song is from the mid-80s, why is it on a 1991 chart? And it's because The Cure released a mix, it's called The Mixes tape, or album, in November 1990 and this song was on it but it was a remix and I'm assuming the remix is on the chart not the original I don't know Yeah, it's tough it to says say. close to me not like in parentheses remix but yeah it could be yeah. the radio's played the original as you know just to You'd be revival. like hey remember this song and right. now everyone's like oh yeah if you want to hear a remix version if you can buy this album right. type of a thing yeah and then number 96 is Give It To Me Good by Trickster. All right, on to rankings and ratings we go. Uh, on your one to five star scale, where would you put millions? I mean, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I did not hate this movie as much as like no. some other movies. Yeah. But I mean, I'm still going to give it a one. I almost like gave it a two just because of the music. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like the music game, like is making me push it to a two or something. <laughs> I mean, but if you want it to be a two, you can make no, it. No, I mean I'm giving it a the movie a one because right. I was literally confused the entire time. Yeah, low production value. Yes, um, very confusing plot. Just because, yeah, a lot of it just did not make logical sense and there's just too much happening. On my zero to four star scale, I'm going to give it a one as well. I mean, I was fascinated the entire time. Yeah, I mean, I was like, what's happening? But I'm like, where is this going? And then it just kind of ends weird. Yeah, and like, I, I was getting bored at the end after Leo woke up. I'm like, okay, let's move it along here, folks. Like, this is, you know let's go but i mean honestly yeah like the i hate to say it but like the sexiness of it was intriguing because it was like why is this happening more than anything you know it wasn't like titillating is more like it was, it was like titillating like my logical sense like why why are these relationships happening and it, yeah it, 
Yeah, if there, that's like I said before, if there was like a murder or something, I would be like 10 times more into this movie or something. Yeah, it, it, it tries to present itself as like a cat and mouse business thriller, but I mean, okay, every movie's worth watching once, would you watch this again? I mean, I kind of would, just so I can figure out if it makes sense again. <laughs> <laughs> I would not expect it to make sense, but I mean, it's it's worth it for some of the music stuff. I mean, if I had to pick between this and like other people's money, oh yeah, this I would for watch sure. This. Yeah, even though I think it's like a worse produced film, um, it's still more enjoyable. I yeah. think there's there's stuff that's interesting to watch. I think you know if people are out there, and especially if you have that fifty pack or some suspense, you know, look at your movie multi packs if you have them. Check the back it's of the also, box. It's also, I there. think, on YouTube. So. Oh, is it on YouTube now? I think too? it's on YouTube. Okay, so I mean, check it out. It's worth checking out just because of how quirky and weird it yeah. is compared to I other mean, stuff. it's like I don't know if it's meant to be campy on purpose, but I to me, know. it's like campy. Italian we we need more eyes on it and for you to report back to us as to what you think. Is it like, do you is it comedy or is it satire? Yeah. <laughs> is it just poor drama? Let us know. Um so yeah, if you want to watch Millions as of this recording in January 2022, it's available on VHS in some regions. It's on DVD and I guess on YouTube as well. Uh, as always check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of 800 movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we'll be watching A Rage in Harlem. It's going to be available a whole bunch of places. Prime, Tubi, Pluto TV, Hoopla, Roku Channel, Roku Channel, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.